0: And welcome, everybody, to episode 232 of Live at the Hive Digital Marketing from the Trenches. I'm your host, Dan Nadelko. Uh, Today, we've got a very special guest, uh, Justin Knott from Entropy Healthcare Marketing. Uh, Justin has got several years of, uh, incredible experience in the niche of, well, I wouldn't call it a niche. If it's a niche, it's a very big niche (laughs) of, of healthcare, um, and experience working with, uh, uh, practices and clinicians of various sizes. Justin, thanks so much for being here today.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, yeah. So yeah, like you said, I'm about we're about ten years into our journey, which I'm I'm really proud of. Getting over the entrepreneurial ten year hump is a huge one that not many people make, and and getting to talk to another agency owner because I think that this journey is a is a a long and interesting one. Um, but yeah, we've been started. We've been around for closing in on ten years, and really since day one, we made a decision to not only niche into healthcare, but to niche specifically into multi-location surgical groups. Mm -hmm. And that's really been kind of our sweet spot. Uh, We work in aesthetics and orthopedics and um, urology and those types of things. But kind of like you said, really from day one, we've built everything on how do we help practices develop a strategy to attract patients, get more patients booked, generate more revenue, grow, and then retain those patients and understand mm-hmm. what's working the whole entire time. And that's really been kind of the background. My, my wife had a background in healthcare. I had a background in early stage investing and we just kind of married the two with my entrepreneurial want to and her um, laser focus inside of healthcare with all of her experience. And here we are today.
0: That's then. That's always where the magic happens, right? When yeah, it's, uh, sure. You know, it's a to to your point. Talking to other agency owners and people in the in the marketing and digital marketing fields, the kind of common thread is I was doing this thing over here. I saw this opportunity, and it kind of converged into a place maybe I wasn't expecting. Um, but but here we are. Um, one of the interesting things uh, before we really dive into it is, um, and we were just talking about this before the show. It's amazing to me how many. Um, I mean, if you're a doctor, uh, you've gone through uh, a graduate degree, uh, medical school, your, your internship and all of these things. And through all of those years an incredibly highly skilled, knowledgeable people, but not a single thing is taught about running a business, uh, technically being an entrepreneur, if you're uh, in that in that field, uh, marketing or administration. It's, it, it's, I, I guess it's a non-obvious thing, but you kind of think it might it should be.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think med school definitely needs a facelift and an update, both in getting them, because again, it's obviously a little bit different between the Canada and the U.S. market, Mm -hmm. but both, there's a huge financial gain of being a physician. Um, Obviously, it's capped a little bit more in Canada, like we were talking about, but the U.S., what's ironic about it? is your edu- you're giving almost no education from an educational or from an entrepreneurial standpoint and then you're giving them more money than anybody else makes in the entire united states and they're like good luck go start a business
0: yeah <laughs> and yeah.
1: That, that's something that and i think there's a lot of physicians out there and that's why physician burnout work-life balance entrepreneurial mindset there's such a focus on that in terms of people trying to give back from a colleague standpoint but yeah it's it's definitely a broken system that needs to be fixed. So physicians have more of a fighting chance to build a really successful business early on without as many wounds in the process and, and not necessarily have to go the journey of becoming like a minority partner or a hospital system employee and either living that lifestyle or kind of working their way up over 15 or 20 years, kind of like the legal system.
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, one of the things um, just talking about the bigger picture, because, you know, when we talked kind of let's talk about marketing strategies for medical mm-hmm. professionals. Um, do you ever run into this? And, and maybe you don't because you're dealing with with, uh, you know, firms and practices of a certain size. Um, but, at, you know, there's one side that you could if you were going to be Socratic and, and, and kind of question it and say, look, everybody needs healthcare. Right. Where no, nobody is going to go through their life without health care. So what is the point of, of, of marketing more aggressively? Do you ever run into that? Or is this something that uh, because of your niche and the size that, that you're at, it's already uh, kind of accepted and known?
1: There's there's definitely been. I, I think obviously taking everything else out of the side, I think COVID was a, a good thing in terms of reshifting the thought process behind digital marketing and, and the way that you connect with consumers and patients uh, across the board. I think everybody realized when they everybody was locked down and shut off from the world and shut off from their patients and had to close their doors, how do we build an engaged tribe and engaged ecosystem um, for our patients? And I think that definitely kind of brought everybody up to speed to to an extent but there's definitely when you look at just the whole landscape you're going to have varying degrees of understanding and the importance on digital marketing if you're a neurosurgery group there's going to be a long way between now and the day that direct marketing is the best avenue for neurosurgeons because most people don't walk into their PCP or just go online and is like, I need to see a neurosurgeon. (laughs) Same with an oncologist. You typically start at a PCP and your X, Y, or Z is happening. They refer you upstream and refer you upstream and refer you upstream. So those typically doesn't make sense. I think what I say to a lot of the other ones, because even you have like a large ortho group and you always have a huge subset of their board that's like, well, I'm booked out for three to six months. I've been around for 30 years. I really don't care about marketing. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna do anything for me. I don't need it. Mm -hmm. And the reality is you do. And if you wait until it's too late, it's going to be real tough to get that market share back because what's happening, especially in the U S health systems is they are incentivized to you to join forces. And so health systems are becoming more vertically integrated to create weighted leverage over insurers to get better payouts. And when that is happening, they're slowly closing their doors off to the private practices that used to live and die by referrals. So you're pretty much now your hand is being forced of how do I think creatively outside of the box to use digital marketing to go direct to consumer because the health systems are not going to send patients my way anymore.
0: Mm, well clearly you've had this conversation before because that was <laughs> a fantastic answer and, and I think Appreciate I think it. the one yeah the one thing you hit on really well is um, this notion and and you see it in other businesses and other verticals too is you know my pipeline's good i'm booked out for three to six months you know what me worry like why bother i'm good but then that pipeline dries up uh for whatever reason could be covid for example yeah um, for sure you know and then and then it's not too late but you're certainly uh going to be scrambling at the last minute
1: And you don't want to, and I think this is obviously true for any business. It's true for ours. Uh, What I what I term the silver bullet. It's like Mm -hmm. like for you or I is having like one client that pays us a hundred thousand dollars a month, and it's ninety five percent of our revenue. It's the same thing with whether it's referral pipelines driving ninety five percent of your practice growth. Mm -hmm. Like you said, what happens if that changes? Unfortunately, you saw when Facebook. Shut their IPO happened and they shut down their organic reach and forced everybody onto their ad platform to monetize um, shareholder value. You had businesses that were making millions of dollars because they had a million people and 900,000 of them saw every time they posted about a new product and they just raked in money, their doors closed overnight because all their chips were in one basket and it was tied to something that was out of their control. And so thinking forward is how do I start to introduce, even if it's not necessary today, things that put me more in the driver's seat long term when a health there's a health system system that's constantly changing and evolving
0: yeah no that's a that's a great analogy too with uh, with Facebook because I was around and, and working uh, with a media startup at the time and boy mm-hmm. did we pivot <laughs> yep yeah. We saw it come, oh, yeah but we did see we did see a lot of um, uh, fairly major media brands kind of yep shrink up and drive very very quickly yeah um, sure yeah so Let's talk a little bit about how for a medical professional and for a clinic or a multi tenant location clinic, how do you like? What's your process that you go through uh, defining a marketing strategy? Uh, And just to preface that before I hand it over to you is I think especially in digital marketing, uh, clients will come at us initially with a tactic like I need Google ads or I need Facebook ads or I got to be here. Uh, without uh, actually thinking, well w- wait a second, do you need that? Are you sure you need that? Like we, we, we got to take a step back um, and dive into the strategic direction. So obviously with your experience, uh, what's your process look like in terms of you know starting and meeting somebody and then and then delving in?
1: Yeah, for sure, that's a great question. For sure, just like you mentioned, it's really understanding, what their true aspirations are at the core. Do they want to open more locations? Are they on the verge of hiring new doctors? Um, Did do they just buy a new aesthetics machine and they need to get butts and seats, so to speak, cause they're financing it. I mean, what what is the driver that's moving them in the direction of like, I either need to change it up and find a new agency that can better execute, or I need to start investing in digital marketing. Cause that obviously, like you said, it really does set the stage of better defining what may be in their head, one thing that they need, but it could be another, or it could just be better defining expectations of whatever it is that may be the right answer for them. And so that's, I think, really critically important. And I think it's also under, it's important to, again, to level set for them the differences between all the things that they ultimately do need to be doing, but may not either a be there yet, or they can bootstrap to get there or defining What is paid ads really used for and why is it really good and what is the timeline to success there. Why should you still not take your eye off the prize of SEO long term from from a true ROI standpoint, but having them understand you're planting seeds today that bear fruit way down the road tomorrow, so to speak, or in varying timelines. So I think it's really helping them understand there are five or six kind of major components that make up a really good practice marketing strategy that does spur growth but it it's it usually is a phased in process that happens over time and and you need to have reasonable expectations of to what the outcomes of those things are as you implement them and I think that's a really important to to define because we've been burned over the years not by a lack of performance, by a misalignment of expectations and understanding. And as you know, I'm sure as an owner, that's always unfortunate to see when you're like screaming behind your computer. You're like, I can't even tell you how much success that you're having, but you're so hung up on the fact that this one keyword that could add zero value to you is not ranking number one. It's like you guys are totally missing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, amen. So I'll just priest uh, <laughs> to the choir here. It it typically is misalignment of expectations, right? If we're talking, if we put on our agency uh, owner hats here, it's um, you know, a difficulty and and look at, you know, the industry, the market changes so rapidly, faster than any other industry in history. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, you know, what might have been true two years ago is no longer true today. We'll talk about that with Google local searches, for example. but yeah, 100% is, um, so it sounds like, and this is what 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 I try to do too with clients is really workshop this. Like we got to have yeah. three or yep. four conversations here so I can win hearts and minds on um, what we're talking about. Um, because one of the things, and, and you hit the nail on the head is, you know, the short term, medium term, and long term. Um, in the short term, yes, a smart paid ad strategy. We can get you leads and referrals, right? We're going to pilot that. Um, medium term, you know, we can we can look at video, whatever it is, YouTube, mm-hmm, yep. that, and then long term, we're going to look at SEO because that's yep. still a huge part of it. Um, and yeah, to to get through that process of of avoiding misalignment um, and setting the right objectives, and that strategy is uh, absolutely key. for sure.
1: Yeah, I completely agree, and I I think. As agencies and, and as agency owners, um, we should be, and I think the industry as a whole, should be doing a better job of evolving to the benefit of our clients. Um, I like to say, even when I tell my clients, when we get started, if we're doing the same thing this time next year that we're doing today, then I'm doing you a disservice. And it's okay to, pull, to push and pull on things. Like we've written 30,000 words of content for you over the last year and a half we're good there. Like, let's focus on technical SEO. Let's focus on keeping the elbow room at the top we've created and let's take that money and it's, let's, let's invest it into a content production process or, or whatever that may look like. And that's really important for for everybody, I think, in the room to understand is, is, the, is marketing is an ever-evolving and constant journey and you never really reach that finish line. And as good marketers, we should be delivering that to our clients in the form of staying on top of what is working and what's not and what's changing
0: Mm -hmm. and i think uh to your point there it's a consistent communication with your clients and being part of their process their business process right absolutely Um, yeah so so when you define this marketing strategy i think one of the things we can touch on now obviously google uh, goes without saying is the vast majority of that market share regardless Mm -hmm. of the social networks um But as you know, especially um, local searches and the number something like eighty five to eighty nine percent of all businesses in the world are serve some geographic local physical area. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you know, we've seen the um, Google map pack searches uh, rise in prominence. We've got structured data happening there. Um, And one of the things that we hear a lot is we need an SEO strategy today. And we have to kind of roll back. So maybe you can walk through, you know, there, there's this dichotomy or not dichotomy. There's this synergy. Uh, I used that word. That's bad.
1: Um, <laughs> but there's this. My dynamic. wife always says if somebody reaches out on LinkedIn and says synergy, it's a no go. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. It's kind of like it's right there with low hanging fruit. So uh, roll yeah. Back.
1: <laughs> Excellent.
0: Um, but we've you got these different dynamics uh, of a Google search result on mobile. Um, you know, there's paid ads, there's the map pack, uh, there's structured data, and then there's organic. How do you work through this process of explaining what each of these these elements are? Because I, you know, even though people look at it every day, I don't think they process what yeah. all of these things are. So how do you work through that with those those different dynamics?
1: For uh, sure. With the they, they are... They all coexist very tightly together. I think to your point is Google has made a very clear and loud statement with the investment that they have made in continuing to improve and pour into Google My Business. And I think it is an emphatic warning that not only things have they become localized, that Google is trying to get to a world where they can make your website as obsolete as possible, where they can show the answer on the front end of their search experience engine, which is Google, and and cut your website out of it. But the only way they can do that is through consumer information being poured in in the form of reviews and content information being poured in on websites. So you, it still lives in that, that same ecosystem. How I usually describe it to my clients I say this a lot in our content production is SEO is like a credit score. There's three to five things that you have to do very well to get to 700, but to get to 800, it's all about the small incremental stuff. The more competitive of the market geographically and the business that you're in, um, the, the more you got to do the little things, right? If you're in a rural area, you're the only name in town or whatever it may be. You may only need to do like, Make sure you got a page for each thing and make sure you got to google my business and i nailed it but if you're in if you're in miami and you're in aesthetics practice trying to rank for botox a good luck and b you better do the little things right um and that's i think the big way to to understand there's certain components and buckets and we need to address the ones that matter the most first and then we can start attacking the technical stuff i think for localized what matters the most especially If you're multi-location, you live and die by your location pages. I tell people it's like franchises have mastered the model for years. You should be implementing what franchises do well, and that's a franchise location model on your website. Mm -hmm. Location pages for every location, because those are what drive your service line level near me searches, because your frozen shoulder page, you cannot rank in your eight locations. You just can't like go in and just lay down a bunch of geospecific keywords on that page, it's gonna look wonky and it's not gonna do anything. Mm-hmm. It's your location pages that make the difference. And the Google My Business, making sure that's optimized right, you have good reviews on it and you embed it onto that page. So there's a direct correlation between the two. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing things like that right, and then the other thing I always tell people is if you wanna rank for it, you need a page for it. Most people fall victim to the dreaded list of services on their website. And you need to, if you want to rank for frozen shoulder, anybody listening right now, if you do a frozen shoulder specialist near me or a rotator cuff repair specialist near me, the top three search results are going to be a specific page about rotator cuff repair. It's not going to be anything else. Um, and that's really important to understand. So I think understanding that and how it functions and then If you are a single location group, you have one thing in your benefit, you can put your geo specific tag and all the title tags across your website. And so I think those are the really important aspects that make up an SEO strategy, at least early on, and then you get into backlink building and citation development and all that stuff. But those are the basics that you need to get right
0: yeah for sure no and i i you know i would I love the fact that you're you're touching on the dynamics of of the paid ads versus a local search and google my business or google business profiles i thought google my business was a way better name i don't know why they changed it but whatever. yeah i
1: don't either yeah don't <laughs> they're trying to change it it's going to take a long time to stick google yeah. adwords and ads stuck faster but this one's going yeah. to take a
0: while <laughs> exactly uh but to your point about uh, you know google's made a lot of very loud statements and one of them is um, well, they've effectively uh, destroyed the Yellow Pages, which dominated for yeah, for you, sure, know, however long that was 60, mm-hmm. 70 years. Yep. Um, but, you know, being in the industry as we both are, you see um, just how Google My Business has progressed and added and, you know, um, the support for multiple locations and location mm-hmm. groups now, for yep. example, which was for many years was a thorn in the side of anybody oh, yeah. that had multiple locations for right? sure. Um, but the fact that you know there's this this kind of multi-dimensional strategy that takes into account all of those things, but also, um, and and I think you, you highlighted it too is like a lot of people do look at a website as a well as my list of services page, uh, here's my paragraph and here's my bullet point, yep. And we gotta you know sometimes we gotta go fishing and and reel it back, um, to to really dig into you know what makes it unique. Can we turn this into an informational resource or corner, mm-hmm, cornerstone page? Sure um, et cetera. Um, so having said that, um, we did talk a little bit earlier and touched on it just about personas. And I think, you know, you, you you made a great analogy if you're in a small town and you're the one doctor, Hey, you know, it's much simpler, but using the Miami example, um, and your uh, Botox or whatever it might be. Um, do you work with your clients on, on, developing their personas because i think that's a weakness that many businesses don't go through Um, they don't go through that process Um, and you've probably heard this uh, you know who's your customer well 18 to 65 year old males okay that's That's, everybody that's what they all say for sure yeah yeah
1: we we do we force their hand a little bit that is an exercise Mm -hmm. that uh we for the most part require if we're launching paid ads, most importantly, because obviously that it's a little bit looser, but it's so critical to get the paid ads positioning right. And it really is a trickle down effect. Once you define those patient personas, everything else falls in line. The the images you use, the graphical treatment, the language, the platforms that you're putting that information on, all of that. So we have actually a, a worksheet that we hand over to our clients during the onboard strategy Mm -hmm. And they usually hate every second of it, but they love the other side of it is we make them answer all of those who, what, why questions about, we try to keep it to three profiles because that really does define the buckets of who we're going after and where we need to be going after them and the story we're telling to them in terms of the pain points that we're trying to solve. So yeah, most, I'd say it's been, I can count on one hand, the number that have had that already defined. So it's a really important exercise for them because I think it makes them start really thinking through the whole process, too, of like, well, I want to do more of what I really love to do from a surgery standpoint. This is the type of patient we need to go after.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And then one of the things that I find, you know, it's it's funny. You know, in the world of digital marketing, and I, I just happen to come from an engineering background. There's this like, there's this desire for marketers to be like, okay, we're gonna lead score. Um, I'm gonna do behavioral psychographics on this yeah. and that and the other thing, yeah. and and you know, you could dial it back and just say, hey, if you have a really really specific persona, um, and uh, we uh, we do work in the in the healthcare space here in Canada. Like I said, typically in the counseling areas. Um, but one of the things that we've we've really found is that the the tighter the just like you do with uh, entropy, the tighter the niche, and the more specific it is. I mean, you are segmenting, understanding the oh, yeah. audience before they're yeah. even in the door, right? Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And again, it all comes down to landing page treatment, the story you're telling. Because, like, in the mental health space, like if you're going after adolescent psychology, you're the decision maker is the mom. It's not the kid. So you can go speak to the kid, but you need to make the mom feel good about the decision that she's making and her journey is different from a priority standpoint than her kids. And that's again what it all comes down to understanding who is the end user you're really marketing to and what are they can are, what are they concerned the most about?
0: Hmm. Yeah, and you see, you know, you can go and Google it and read it on blog posts. People say, well, you know, just be specific. Match your match your content to your to your persona or your target customer. But when you really get down into it, if you use the mom example, uh, looking for potential therapy for an adolescent, um, there are some pretty substantial messaging um, and 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 things that can push people into wanting to participate in that. For sure. um, as well. So yeah, that 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 persona side of it um is is absolutely critical so when you're going through this and you you just touched on it a bit um i i kind of feel and i come from an seo background so i'm a big believer in it um yeah same here actually that was my first
1: love i always say
0: (laughs) yeah and and you know my one little analogy without you know sucking the oxygen out of the room is you know people say well you've got to optimize for google and like google's a pipe like that's how i always say it's just it's just a conduit, like fundamentally, there's a human being sitting on the other end, searching, and they have fears, motivations. And when they're searching, they typically are strongly motivated. Um, and so SEO is the best long-term investment that you can make, especially when it comes to things like question-based searches and tail of search, very specific things. Oh yeah yeah. and and so maybe talk a little bit about uh, specifically, you did touch on it. Um, your SEO strategy from a high level and how you would execute in in that healthcare space, because I think it's the healthcare space is, is, is it has similarities, but there's certainly something very unique about your your niche,
1: yeah, for sure. I'd say this probably applies to ninety eight percent big and small of the practices that that we vet and do assessments on uh, when I have conversation with them from a strategy standpoint and that's what i always tell people is honestly what we're doing is not rocket science we're not reinventing the wheel and there's no magic fairy dust um and if you are sprinkling any type of magic fairy dust you're probably black hatting it and it's not going to be sustainable it's really rolling up your sleeves and doing things the right way and that is is seo in terms of the way that google works is it's not a man behind the machine it's an algorithm so you're trying to sort things in a way that makes it easy for you to win with Google. And I always use the analogy of it's like when you learned how to build an outline for your first research paper when you're in middle school. Google works in a very similar manner. You need title tags to be right. They carry the most weight. You need your H1 tag to carry the same type of weight and, and focus as that and so on and so forth, your H2 tags, and then your body paragraphs, and then the imaging and the videos that are on there. So we typically look at structure first. Do we have the baseline structure on the website to succeed to begin with? Second step typically is content deficiency. They're usually either very thin on content, on the things that matter, or they're void of the content. Like I talked about earlier is if you want to rank for it, you need a page for it. That's typically where our content calendar And what is usually at least the initial six to 12 months is laying down more content on their site and then building out and strengthening the location and the physician's pages. Outside of that, it's obviously GMB. Is is their GMB house in order? Do they have ownership over all of it? Is it all verified, um, merged, removal of duplication, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And the physician pages are oftentimes completely missed. And usually when you do an audit, you'll see physicians are pulling in a bulk majority of organic search. It's not hard to rank for Dr. Smith. Like Dr. Smith is Dr. Smith and you have a page on your website, you own Dr. Smith, so to speak. Yeah. But where we miss the opportunity is, it's not about ranking for Dr. Smith, it's about ranking for um, the fact that they're a dermatologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And that's a huge opportunity. So we sit down with a client and break down what they would prefer to be known as in their geographical space as the go-to specialist on and then start building out their physician profiles to match that. And that is usually really powerful because then you have for a hand surgeon, you have an opportunity to win for hand surgeon listings for the physician GMBs and your location GMBs and you're doing the same thing in organic search and all of a sudden you're taking up like four or five, six organic slots and so that's usually what our process looks like and it's pretty uniform across the board is is the structure right do we have the content and are the and are, are the location pages set up to win
0: yeah no, that's that's great advice i think one of the things that's really great about your strategy is it really follows the evolution of google which you know google eight five years ago even to today <clears throat> is not the google um, no, not. you know that you know it's a constantly in a state of flux and uh, I think one of the things that I try to explain, and, and you've done it in a in a really um, uh, functional way, is you know Google's intelligent. It it uh, it, it is, is. Uh, it is an, a, 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 it it can it create connections, right? It it understands semantics. So your point about pulling out the specialties that that doctor uh, would want, and then creating that content around that, Google can draw those connections and start to rank you for those other terms, right? Um, Just one question. You're talking a lot about content creation for the medical space, Um, obviously, like several um, industries, it's highly regulated. Mm -hmm. How do you balance something like oncology, which uh, I don't, you know, I know what I know, but uh, and you have content creators on your team how do you work through what would be compliance accuracy and accuracy from the doctor's perspective um i think one of the things uh too that maybe you can touch on is how do you not um just absorb that doctor's time because they're they're practicing as well for sure so maybe a two-part question on that
1: yeah it's it, it is for sure a tricky balance uh i've i've learned over the years to try to take the approval process as much out of their hands as possible as they'll let us. I totally understand, um, a, the content still needs to resonate at an 11 or 12th grade reading level. So we're not writing for peer review journals and academia level. So it's having them understand that, like who this content is serving and we obviously want accuracy behind it. So it's a little bit kind of balancing between what the client expectation is and then what we want to have happen Mm -hmm. and meeting in the middle on that. So I'd say probably 80 to 90% of our clients is a eyes on it approval process. Like you got like a five to seven day window, get your eyes on it or forever hold your peace, so to speak. Obviously if they notice something on the website, we'll go on and change it. But that way they do have their eyes on it as it comes across their table. But that was the hard part is if you get the physicians too involved in the content approval process, you're destined to fail from the get go. I've, again, I can count on my hands, the number of physicians that have actually stood by what they said, like, Oh, I'll read it. I'll approve it really quick and it'll get on down the road. It's like the lowest level priority that they have on their plate day in and day out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is, it's, it really is. It's a tough little push and pull, but it is about making sure they have an opportunity to look at and approve it. But they also have an understanding of why we're creating the content, who it's for and the urgency behind it. Because if we get backloaded four months of content, you're paying for something that you're, the, 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 the finish line to see the value in that mm-hmm. is moving every single day further away. And so mm-hmm. that's, I think it's just important again for expectation setting of why we need control over as much of the approval process within reason as we can.
0: Or have a champion within the- within yeah. Or the having a yeah. very
1: specific champion that can thumbs up the stuff as it comes across the, the their desk.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So yeah, so so lots of great advice, both from defining the strategy and kind of digging in. Um, Obviously, this is always the bottom line with with everybody. What is the ROI on this? How do you track performance? Um, And also explain that performance uh, to people in a medical practice?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's That's the golden goose in the medical space because of how fragmented we are, especially um, the US EHR system uh, is a nightmare of a system because we have about 5,000 EHRs. Uh, I'd say 90% of our practices use a different one. Mm -hmm. So unlike walking into an e-com business or a retail space where they're gonna have a CRM like HubSpot or a Shopify or somewhere where a customer comes in and everything happens inside that space. You can track lifetime revenue, you can cross promote to them, you can put them in email nurture sequencing, you can lead score them. You've got in healthcare, an EHR that you probably can't integrate into, which is where all the main data lives. You've got a PM system, a patient management system that now is doing like appointment reminders and two way HIPAA compliant texting and all that stuff. And then you've got us on the other end um, with a CRM or, or doing top of funnel lead generation. So it is a little bit difficult, and I, th- I think there's been strides with some API standardization that the U.S. is in the pipeline over the next three to five years that's really going to help be able to get inside those EHRs and, and extrapolate on, like, anonymized patient data. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, the, the best way that we found to go about doing it is to either develop or partner with some good tools that have already done that. Like, we have a couple appointment booking softwares that we typically bring into the fold when we engage with a client because they've already spent the money, done the work, and maintained the platform that can get it, that can book straight into the EHR and pull out um, the information. And that has really helped us at a very low cost streamline the ability to at least track at a very high level our initiatives as they relate to actually getting patients through the door. You're having to just report on. I got you leads. They're like, well, I only got five patients. Do they come from those leads, or what is it? Versus just saying, like, look, we booked you 150 patients, X, Y, or Z turned down to turned into actual surgical clients. But yeah, there's definitely it's tough for sure, and it still is tough to to kind of answer that uniformly across the board is nearly impossible still, uh, at at least for us, I find how I would be interested in in what your thoughts are on it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, uh, we're very similar here in Canada in terms of practices have, um, for as many different practices as there are, they have some different system internally, that's tracking their patient Mm -hmm. stuff that we can't, we can't touch, we're not even actually allowed, you know, access to it. So that's a challenge. Um, One of the things um that we've done is you know obviously always looking for an api integration always looking for for that unified data so we can turn around and say we're looking at the dashboard you booked 79 new clients last month our conversion rate was whatever 23 um in events where we are completely roadblocked because these systems uh, come in. I find them. They come in two varieties. They come in 1990 called, and they want their electronic yeah, data sure. records back. And you can't, yeah. yeah, you can't get into that thing, no matter what you try to do, and you probably wouldn't want to be in there. Right up to something brand new. Um, Jane app is one for clinical uh, psychologists, uh, for example, and and they typically are kind of like a hub spot. They want to boil the ocean. They want to do all yeah, the things. Yep, yep. Right. But we find that there's such such a mix that. We track up to the point to which the lead is being um, put into a system. Uh, We've used, we'll use Zapier, we'll use custom scripting, all sorts of different Mm -hmm. things to do it. Um, But one of the things we found is actually booking a monthly lead review with our champion, not the doctor. Uh, Typically it could be the office manager, Mm -hmm. um, head of operations, someone that's in this. And we actually, it, it sounds really ghetto and it sounds really simplistic, but it's let's crack open the list. We're going to spend yeah, half an hour, <laughs> yeah. And let's do some data yeah. matching, and it's yeah. imperfect, but at least it's a barometer for us to say, you know, for sure. Because we'll have several campaigns running: Facebook, Google, lead gen ads, you know, all sorts of different things. And we got to break it down and and really get an idea here of fundamentally, we see what's converting, mm-hmm. right? But the false positive on that for us would be obviously a Facebook lean gen ad with one click, a very immediate, we're getting a lower conversion rate and higher numbers yep. um, versus a, a Google local service ad or a Google click to call ad or going to a landing page. We'll have a, a, a lower number, but a much higher conversion yeah, rate. So uh, you yeah, you, sure. you got to go through this with yeah. them and, and show them the scales moving. <clears throat> but what we're able to do is use our automation to create these live dashboards. And then that last bridge can be, let's get a gut check here. Um, and then we at least have the barometer with the client to say, yeah, we're happy with this. Um, and we try to progress that that automation through in, in any way possible. For uh, sure. We've done crazy things with zaps like I love, I love Zapier. It was like
1: one of the I, I F T T T or what was it, whatever it was. If then, then that, that thing yeah. was like ahead of Zapier and that was like the coolest yeah. thing ever. And then Zapier came out and like squashed it. But yeah, yeah. It's, we, we, I'd, I'd love doing some, we do some really creative thing for like webinar promotion and stuff through Zapier. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it yeah. Cause it, it's also like, you gotta be able to deliver that information to the client, but it's, it is mm-hmm. just such a, fragmented and messy thing currently <laughs> to it try is, to it on. Is. And personally. you know, we've, we've done
0: wacky things where like, okay, we're able to write out to a data file from this system. And so we're going to have literally like a CSV file that yep. every time someone hits book, it's going to increment the value in there. The Zap yep. is watching this file. As soon as that increments, we've got a booking. We send it back through Zapier over to a Google Analytics goal. And hey, you know, it's not the prettiest thing in the world but at least we've, we've gotten to a point where, uh, you know, we can understand things. So for sure. Yeah. And it's,
1: it's unfortunate too, because as the way that Google ads is going in terms of really forcing even good ad specialists to lean more and more and more on their AI Mm -hmm. and forcing their hand by stripping some of the, um, nuanced stuff that you could do. They're also doing a good job of, of, of data matching in the pursuit of audience selection. Mm-hmm. but it's lost in healthcare because most of the time you can't extract any type of data that could be of use to upload in there. And there's so many benefits to doing it, but you can't do it yet. So I, I do yeah. think what's going on with this Fire API unification over the next three to five years will be a huge step forward in the US market, mm-hmm. but we still have a long way to go in terms of technology lag in, in the healthcare space. For sure.
0: Yeah, and it's the same thing in in what Google would consider uh, your money, your life, right? Yeah. Um, or uh, sensitive topics on Facebook, which mm-hmm. is, um, if you're you're talking finance, uh, you're talking healthcare, any of those things, uh, all of the fancy things, all of the fancy AI, your remarketing audiences, your custom audiences, yep. Like, turn all that off. Yep. <laughs> because you don't get to use any of that for now. Um, and you, you, get, you get to, uh, a Google ads that's, uh, you know,
1: 2011. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's, that's a really good point.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it, it does speak to everything that you're talking about, which is like, you can't just say, Hey, we're going to do the Google ads because you will get your brains blown out. Um, yep. there are very big people in the medical space, just like travel and finance that have absolutely no problem. Um, just crushing you on bidding alone right oh yeah
1: well in the mental health space especially with the explosion that's happened with covid and telepsychiatry you've got like in the u.s market like the um the talk spaces and the teledocs and the ones that are willing to burn through oh, yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars in cash um in local markets and it's like there's not much i can do to compete against that even at a very very local level yeah yeah and this is years ago um, i mean there's
0: better help and and they're certainly not shy about promoting everywhere. Yeah. Um but this was probably about 8 or 9 years ago and it was Expedia was spending 32 million dollars a day on <laughs> Google Ads alone. Like, that's just their Google ads. <laughs>
1: Imagine managing that monster of an account. That's, incredible.
0: Uh, I, I, that's where you let the robots do the work. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And that's where you
1: get access to, like, Microsoft's, like, DMA databases. Mm-hmm. You have to spend, like, $2 million a month just to be able to get on those types of things because they have just so much data. It's just crazy. Mm-hmm.
0: and 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 actually literally a, a friends at Google talking about this a little bit obviously what they're allowed to talk about but that's what Google sends a team over yeah, like directly yeah, to sure. Expedia to work with them. Oh, yeah. Um but yeah that it, it's a great point for the for the medical industry and it is like understanding your niche and understanding the competition and it's a bit of a David and a Goliath but it's definitely doable, right? Oh it, it is. It, yeah,
1: for sure. It and and that's been the benefit like we were talking about earlier to Google's localization has made it for the most part a fair fight for everybody yep. because if you do it right you can compete against a large health system in your market you can you there's there's a ton of stuff you could do that was really out of bounds unless you either had the the benefit of a 2000 page website or a $200,000 a month budget. And that's just not the case anymore because of the localization that's occurred is is everybody can kind of go toe to toe in a sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, well, Justin, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you. We're, we're a couple of minutes over time, but you have, uh, Shared a ton of experience, so maybe just let everybody know um, how they can get a hold of you if uh, someone's watching this and, and they're, they're in that niche of, of healthcare uh, with multiple locations. How can they get a hold of you and, uh, and, and learn more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our agency is Entropy, I-N-T-R-E-P-Y, Entropy Healthcare Marketing. So that's Entropy, I-N-T-R-E-P-Y.com. Come on, we have a free practice assessment. So you can actually book some time on my calendar to do a 20 minute, no obligation conversation with me about where I, I literally do actually look at your website and stuff and tell you where I see opportunities. And then LinkedIn. I'm really active, Justin. Not if you go on LinkedIn, you'll see content where you have a podcast. We're constantly creating content to try to to move healthcare and healthcare marketing forward. And my wife, too, Kelly K L E Y uh, Not, is on is very active. She has a very large um, uh, reach on LinkedIn. So we'd love to connect and stay active with people that are listening on LinkedIn.
0: Okay, awesome. And for everybody watching out there, when this does go live, because we are recording due to scheduling. Um, Uh, Justin's information and entropy marketing will be down in the descriptions on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Where else are we? Facebook? Did I say that already? That's hard to keep track of them all now. (laughs) And in our show descriptions as well on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. If you are watching this, and I should have said this before, um, if you are lurking, please drop a comment on any of the platforms. We'll do our best to answer you. And if we can't, we will harass Justin by email, and hopefully he'll find the time to be able to answer us. So, Justin, thanks again for joining us on Live at the Hive. Um, we hope to have you on again soon to, to dig in more. Um, but much appreciated.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. It's always great to talk to another agency owner who's who's been through it and, and is going through it and, and, and see what's working and not from your perspective. So I really appreciate the time today, and it was a great conversation.
0: Yeah, likewise, likewise. All right, everyone, thanks for joining us for episode 232 of Live at the Hive Digital Marketing from the Trenches. We'll see you next week. Same B time, same B channel. Peace.